You're listening to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast, your podcast for escaping life's monotony, indulging in your wildest travel fantasies, and discovering the constant beauty of this ever-changing world. On today's episode, Tanya Barrett joins us to talk about the culture and beauty of Japan. Welcome to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast. We are your navigators, Allison and Regan. And today for our Travel Tuesday, happy Travel Tuesday, y'all. Uh, we have a very special guest, uh, my coworker, uh, Tanya Barrett. Uh, she is wonderful, and I can't wait for you to hear her stories. And she's just such a great conversationalist. I like, I'm just so excited to have her. But of course, as always before, I just have a couple of announcements. If you haven't yet, check out our new website, www.wanderlustingwives.com. You can find out more about us, listen to all of our past episodes, uh, any announcements that we have during the week, you'll find them there. Um, but yeah, go check it out. And Allie, what's happening on social media? Yeah, we are continuing to do our giveaway. So make sure you are following us um, on Instagram, we are at Wonderlusting Wives, Facebook, Wonderlusting Wives Podcast, Twitter, Wonderlust Wives, and then you're always welcome to email us at wonderlustingwives at gmail.com. We're trying to reach 200 followers, um, and then we're going to announce our giveaway winner, and we have lots of travel goodies for you. So make sure you check us out, give us a follow, um, and we can't wait to see who wins the giveaway. Yeah, and if you go onto our website and subscribe for our weekly newsletter where you can find out all that's going on, get easy links to our new episodes and everything, you'll get an extra entry, so make sure to do that. Um, and yeah, if you want to be have a chance to be a guest on the podcast and share your stories like Tanya's going to do today, uh, feel free to reach out to us via our website. We'd love to chat with you and hear what you have to say. But first, of course, now we have Tanya, and I'm super excited to introduce her. She is wonderful. I can't wait for you to hear from her, which I've said, I think, three times now, so I really, really mean it. Uh, so welcome, Tanya. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is this is incredibly exciting. Um, I am a first-time podcast interviewee, so thank you for the opportunity. Um, and yeah, I'm, I have a bajillion stories from the what I consider to be the, the little bit that I've traveled. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm happy that anyone wants to hear them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of like what our goal is with th this season. We kind of reformatted. So we want like you don't have to be a big shot, big time traveler to have stories like everyone, every mm -hmm. person has stories. So we're excited to hear yours. But first, I want to like, can you just tell our audience a little bit about you and maybe like what traveling you have done? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, without getting being too exhaustive in my self-description. Um, I am from New York, born and bred. Um, my parents are from Jamaica. They emigrated here in the 80s. Um, we have a very tight family unit. Um, I didn't do much traveling growing up. My parents didn't, you know, they weren't super interested in anywhere that wasn't Jamaica. One time my, my roommate, my freshman year roommate from college, um, her mom on move-in day asked, my dad, oh, so where are y'all from? And he just responded with the greatest place on earth. Um, so <laughs> they're, they're big, big fans of Jamaica, which is, you know, if anyone has the opportunity to travel to Jamaica, it's an incredible place. I um, highly recommend. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm from New York. Um, I 
what I'll talk about today is my time that I spent in Japan, which um, I think Japan has inadvertently played a pretty big role in my adulthood. Um, I studied Japanese for many years and um, the the next thing to do was to go and live there. So uh, yeah, I, I spent about three years there and it changed my life. Long story short. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into some of those littler stories that make yeah. up that long story. So <laughs> So yeah, what have you got for us? What what are some of the stories that came out of that? Yeah, so um, I went the first time. The first time I went to Japan was in what would have been twenty two thousand nine to two thousand ten. I spent my junior year of college there studying abroad, and it was the first time that I had lived, or rather, that I had traveled without family, um, and definitely the first time that I'd lived abroad, um, and was very nervous, obviously, you know, going to a foreign country where the language is different, um, not really knowing what to expect. It was nerve wracking, equally exciting. Um, and when I got there, I think one of my first memories getting there in 2009, I like arrived at the airport and I'm, I'm a black woman (laughs) and, and, uh, I think just my presence for a lot of people was a real shocker. So talk about cultural cultural shock. Um, but I had been studying Japanese for about three years by that point. And so I, I had enough of an understanding of the language to like ask questions and sort of get around. And um, I was in the airport and I found this police officer. I wasn't sure where I was supposed to go. and. I tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around and was so shocked. He like jumped back <laughs> sort of like, Oh my God. Took a step back. And, and then I just started speaking to him and he, you know, was like impressed and confused at the same time and, and helped me get where I was going. But that sort of gave me a glimpse of what my life there would be like, um, was like people being shocked to see me and then being pleasantly surprised when they realized like I spoke Japanese and, um, yeah, so that was like my, my introduction to, to living in Japan. And then, you know, I lived there for a year. I was in Kyoto. Um, I spent the first semester living in the suburbs of Kyoto. And I cannot remember the exact name of the town, but um, it was off of the JR train. I don't know if y'all know anything about Japan and the, the railway systems, um, but I would take a JR to Kyoto City um to school and I was going to Doshisha 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 Daigaku, which is Doshisha University, um, like a famous university in, in Japan, um, was once a I believe a woman's college. Don't quote me on that. Um <laughs> but it was right outside of the um the Imperial Gardens in Kyoto. And so, you know, you could on your lunch break, just like go walk through the Imperial Gardens, like very casually, uh, which was incredible. I'd never lived or really been to a place that had such a rich history. Um, and to very regularly, and as I said, casually be sort of toggling between modernity and and like a very traditional history. Um, You would have these 
very modern buildings next to like a really old centuries old you know temple and that's just normal and that's the everyday and there's an equal respect for both um which was an it, it was like it was just an interesting experience to have my first time there and my first time somewhere outside of my own home for a long period um that was pretty incredible and then for my that second surreal <laughs> oh yes 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 <laughs> I mean, you always hear about Japan being like this kind of forward thinking, very modern, uh, mm-hmm. just like revolutionary country. But that's that's incredible to kind of hear that it's really juxtaposed by the honoring of that really traditional. I mean, you're talking about architecture, but that comes with culture and oh, yeah. uh, traditions, everything. That's oh, really yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that Japan and it's interesting, I'm doing the thing that I often dislike people doing is like speaking on behalf of the Japanese people. But I'm not in no way am I speaking on behalf of the Japanese people. That is that is a huge disclaimer I want to put out there right away. Um, but I think that there is a real appreciation for history, considering the very tumultuous history that Japan has, um, and the the very real risk that there has been and continues to be. Um, when it comes to the longevity and sustainability of their culture, like I don't, so right now Japan has what's called like an aging society. Um, something like seventy-five percent of their population is over the age of sixty-five or something like that, and and so there is a real effort and emphasis on protecting culture. Um, now that comes with some controversy, like there's some nationalism uh, there, as there is everywhere. Um, people who are really afraid of that culture getting forgotten or destroyed. Um, so there are issues around like immigration and xenophobia and, and stuff like that. But, you know, when you think about how many countries in the world speak Japanese, there's only one. Um, and so I think that there is a, a understandable concern around preservation cultural preservation and also just you know with the war and relations with other surrounding nations japan has been historically pretty vulnerable you know they've had their aggressive uh eras as well um but a lot of people both conservative and progressive i think really appreciate and um understand the importance of preserving their 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 culture and their traditions so you see that in architecture you see it in food you know i was uh the second time i lived there which was 2013 to 2015 i was living in tokushima which is on the island of shikoku and um tokushima is one of the very few uh prefectures that i'm bad with american history much less japanese history (laughs) but i believe tokushima is one of the the places that a lot of during like the fire bombings during the war a lot of their uh build their architecture was like still remained and so um there is a lot of centuries old history there you know in more remote places like uh, i lived in nakacho which is a very small in in terms of population but very large in terms of land town in Tokushima. I think it has like a population of 9,000 people. And 
there's a it, it takes up 17 percent of the land in Tokushima, which is like if you that's a lot of land for very very few people um so i got to see a lot of what felt to me like very traditional practices uh one time i was at one of the schools that i was teaching at and sort of like as a cultural day i don't know quite the best word to to think of it uh but they brought in for lunch whale, which for me from the outside was like, oh, I, I thought we I thought we weren't doing that anymore. <laughs> but I you know, I'm I'm a guest in your country, so I'm not gonna tell you what to do. Um but it was just like a way for them to inform the kids of a little bit of their past, a little bit of their history, which I, I really appreciate, you know. Um I don't know that I mean, America is just such a controversial place and um, has such a muddled history that I can't imagine imagine that kind of effort being put into preserving culture. You just don't really see that kind of thing. You know, even in, in classes with very young kids, there are a lot of practices around tradition, around like remembering, remembering who you are and and keeping your country in mind at all times in a really beautiful way. Like not in a, you know, I don't mean in like a super conservative patriotic national way. I mean, just like in a really rich, com- like collective, collective, like community minded way. Community is seen in a really beautiful light in Japan, I think. Yeah, I think I love that. I think that says a lot about, you know, their collectivist culture versus our individualistic culture. Like they just put so much emphasis on, preserving their culture and their language and their history because like you said they're the only lang- they're the only country that still speaks Japanese so they have to put in every effort from a very young age to make sure students are realizing how valuable their country and their history and traditions are absolutely absolutely and you just there are very few places i think where you can see that kind of thing um, certainly not in our country <laughs> oh Goodness gracious, no! I don't know how I don't know how political y'all get on here, but um, with all that's happening around like curriculum, African American studies, like the fact that like we people cannot, people are either directly discouraged from or prevented from learning their own culture is like insane to me. But Yeah. um, yeah, yeah, when you live in a homogenous society like Japan, like everyone's sort of on the same team in that way yeah yeah i i I would love to experience that of like experiencing uh what it's like to be proud of your history too like and to Mm -hmm. want to preserve it and to want to learn it that that's definitely different from here and we talk all the time on this podcast about like various things we can learn from other countries like Ali spent some time in Sweden and like their education system and how they treat like parental leave and things like that like oh wow it's just, yeah there, there's so much to learn from these other countries and I I love the direction that this episode has taken that like you're <laughs> kind of exposing this really beautiful um preservation and like that mindset that's really cool so so thank you for bringing that I love it yeah of course of course um it's one of the things that like I admire most about Japan is like there is real community 
And now a quick word from our sponsor. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. The entire web becomes listenable for the first time, all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. Stop scrolling and start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or even the Kardashians. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And the best part, they have podcasts. Explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries. You can even find us there. I started using it as my default podcast app. They even have a digital radio. Download and use Newsly for free now at www.newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code WIVES. That's W-I-V-E-S. And you can get a one-month free premium subscription. You can find all this information in our description from this episode. And now back to our episode. So so I don't know if you watch. um, There's a show on Netflix. Okay, so it's a TV show. So in Japan, very young kids, like you will see really young kids. I'm talking like four-year-olds walking around by themselves. And at first glance, it's, it's you know, a little concerning. It's like this kid's kind of too small to just be walking around town alone. But there is a sense of responsibility that is instilled in children from a really young age. Um, and they are sent on errands at a young age to like go to the market, buy, you know, with like a little grocery list that their mom gave them and they go and like get get the groceries. And and the show really highlights the way that a community works together to not just like protect these children, but to help instill that responsibility in them. And I was listening to another podcast, I think it was 99% Invisible, and they were talking about that in Japan, it, it was once the, the, the policy that towns were built around schools. Towns were built around elementary schools, and these schools were sort of like the center. And the streets were built so that pedestrians could commute safely. Um, and so that kids in particular could commute safely. And there's also um, this like neighborhood, I, I don't want to call it a neighborhood watch, but I can't really think of a better term right now. But the neighborhood really actively invests in ensuring child safety. So like you'll have your fish guy and your supermarket lady and, you know, the the seamstress or whatever, like all these people who have these shops get together and they're like, okay, well, this is the route that the kids take. So, you know, I'll make sure that they get to this spot. Okay. And, you know, just, you just keep an eye out when they get to that corner and make sure that they're okay. And so there's, everybody has their eye on the kids of the community, which is so beautiful. And most places that you go, I don't want to say all, cause I've been all over Japan, but like most places you go, that is the setup. Like the streets are set up so that like, and I, I drove in Japan and they're not super car friendly. <laughs> There's some places that are not car friendly because they're not really meant for cars. They're meant for the people in the neighborhood getting from one place to the other. And so, you know, the show on Netflix, which it is, it is a Japanese show and has a very it has a different Japanese name altogether. And I can't remember either of the names, but um, it really shows the 
investment that the community has in the growth and safety of each individual person and that person as part of the collective, as opposed to, as you mentioned, Regan, that person as the individual, like making sure that, oh, that person reaches their own potential. It's like, no, 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 you're making sure that you learn to fit into this community in a really safe and like mindful way. Unbelievable. It's un- you, they have these like kids going a mile and a half to go buy fish. It's crazy. And I'm like, oh man, I wish that we could have that sort of setup in our neighborhoods. Like how cool would that be? And so these kids grow up, a lot of my students, I, I had kids from kindergarten up to high school. And even in school, I would say especially in school, responsibility is really, really like drilled in. Um, like there are practices everyday practices that ensure that kids grow up being able to take care of themselves and being able to take care of each other. Kids are the ones that clean the schools. So like every day, I think it's like after lunch, everybody eats lunch. And then after lunch, everybody opens up the windows. Everybody has a job. They mop, they sweep, they, you know, wipe things down. They, it, the entire school gets to cleaning. I remember in one of my schools, I agreed to be the vacuumer. So like I would vacuum the office. <laughs> and and it's just so cool. Kids, they brush their teeth at school. They, yeah, it's just, it, it's unbelievable. It's, it's just thinking about it now. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I was, I got to experience that. And then not only did I get to experience it, but I got to be a part of it. Like I was welcomed into it. Yeah, I just have like a real love for the people that I met there. That's incredible. I'm like thinking because I teach second grade. So I'm thinking about my students and how they struggle to just write something down independently. They can't get their books out by themselves. And these kids are out here just going to buy fish and they're getting dinner for the family like so (laughs) casually. And it just says a lot about like the culture. Like we keep saying like in the United States, like how dare you bring a kid to a restaurant who's crying because you're going to bother other people. And Kids are not really seen as like a positive thing in some some circumstances in the states, and I think in Japan mm-hmm. they welcome that and say, "Hey, you know, we're they're part of our culture, and we're going to help guide them and help bring up the next generation." Whereas now it's like, "Oh, it's your responsibility as the parent to tell right. you to shut up during dinner because we're trying to enjoy ourselves," right? And, or on the airplane, or even like public transportation. Oh, the kids like look in the window or something. Like, oh my gosh, that parent needs to take control. And it's like, let mm-hmm. the kids be the kids, but also teach them how to be individuals and think for themselves and integrate into into society instead of pushing exactly. them out and making them feel less because they're just being a kid. That's such an important piece. It's like you have to teach kids how to integrate into society. They don't know. They're kids. <laughs> right. They don't know what's going on. But the, the 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 point that you made, Ali, of like helping them integrate into society, that is what is so awesome about that like pedagogy, is because ultimately this this person becomes an adult, and we as a society have expectations of the adults that that are a part of our community. If you don't teach them what those expectations are, there's no way that they're going to be able to fulfill them. And I think about particularly in classrooms, 
when you have a kid that is struggling academically or even just like struggling in terms of their confidence and their own ability, they're not ostracized. Here in the States, that kid falls behind oftentimes because they don't have the support that they need. They maybe get put into like a more remedial class um, and they're really pegged as all kinds of things, right? Like they're they're labeled as all kinds of things and there's a lot of shame and embarrassment around it. And in Japan, there is like a, it's almost like unspoken. I don't know if it's something that everybody gets together in the beginning of the year and they talk about and they're like, okay, we're gonna have a, if we're gonna have any kids that are struggling, here's what we gotta do. I don't know if that's how it happens, but everybody rallies around those kids. I would witness kids who, okay, great example, field day, right? Their sports day. Um, at all schools. And it's a big event. There are races and all types of games and, you know, parents are there and all the teachers are there and all the kids are there. And I I will say also that teachers play an extremely large role in their students' lives, almost as big as their parents. Sometimes I would say more so. (laughs) And, And so these, like, kids just have a lot of adult support in their lives in an ideal case I will say obviously I'm sure there are like exceptions to that rule but there are intrinsically like um this support system like built around kids anyway so sports day say you got a kid who's running one of the races and they're just not up to speed you know they're struggling they're lagging behind everybody rallies for that kid It's not even that like the kid who's running first is the one getting all the cheers. It's the kid who's behind and people are shouting like, you can do it. You got it. Like, keep going, keep going. And that's what it's like in class. If a kid is struggling academically, their peers push them. Their peers are like encouraged to encourage them. And again, I'm sure there are cases to that. I'm sure I saw and experienced experience um, exceptions to that rule but I would say for the most part those kids got the support that they needed oftentimes from their own peers and that's beautiful I remember being in school and the shame of like not understanding a problem like the shame of getting the answer wrong you know and of course there's bullying and things like that obviously but the approach the like the the approach to education i just think is completely different from from the united states um as as is you know most countries um but getting to experience that was really it was really eye opening well tanya thank you so much i i this is part of what i love about these travel tuesdays is like you don't really know where the conversation's going to go. And usually it ends up somewhere that you're like, wow, I feel pumped to go about my day now. <laughs> like, it's just awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, you know, I have a ton of like silly stories too. Um, one one of my favorite to tell, and I'll, I'll tell it really quickly. Um, I went with my... Uh, religion class when I was studying abroad we went and visited a a temple and um, you have to sit in what's called seiza which is you sit on your knees you like sit on your knees and your shins and um, I famously have terrible knees and was sitting on my knees and really shifting a lot you know like just moving a lot just couldn't really be in that position for like a half an hour 
and the priest who was sort of like giving a presentation to us occasionally would be like, oh, get, sit correctly. He'd like point at me, he's like, straighten your back. And I was like, oh yeah, my knees. And so we're leaving and we're all putting our shoes on and the priest comes up to me and I, I was bent over putting my shoes on. I don't know what happened. I think he meant to tap my back, but because of like, me bending down to put my shoes on and being in like a, I was shifting. He slapped me right on my ass, like <laughs> square on my ass. Um, nothing will ever top that. Nothing will ever top getting slapped on the ass by Buddhist priests. Like never, nothing, nothing. I feel like I'm anointed, you know, like I feel like, I feel like I'm protected from all things. Like, I, I wonder if there's literally anybody else who can say that. Like, you're the chosen one. <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm set for life. <laughs> I, I'm apologizing to your listeners. I'm so sorry for this. Just, <laughs> just my apologies. I will give, I'll give a, I'll give a, a travel tip though. If you're going to Japan, if you're going to Kyoto, there are a bajillion things to see in Kyoto, obviously. Highly, highly, highly recommend going to Arashiyama, which is, um, like this mountainous area where you can get on a train during the fall. I think the train probably runs all year round, but uh, during the fall when the leaves change, you know, Japan is really known for their changing leaves. Um, You can get on this train, this, you know, like really old school train and and go around the mountain, like on the edge of the mountain. It's beautiful. It's probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. highly recommend and then you know afterwards you walk through the groves and stuff so yeah that would be like one of my one of my spots i would recommend for sure that sounds amazing sounds like it puts new york autumn to shame that's what oh new york autumn is trash (laughs) new york autumn is trash compared to japan All right. Well, Allie, it sounds like we need to add Japan uh, to our fall bucket list. <laughs> you do. You really do. Well, Allie, do you have anything else before we wrap up? Yeah, just thank you again for coming on. I feel inspired to be a better teacher myself and create a classroom community like Japan, encouraging other students to rally around those lower achieving students and then just feeling even more excited to potentially go to Japan someday and check out their culture firsthand. So thank you so much for your um, sharing your experiences with us and our listeners. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast. Come escape with us again every other Tuesday for Travel Tuesdays and every other Wednesday for Wildcard Wednesdays. Don't forget to give us a subscribe and a follow on all of our social media and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, wander on.